0: Welcome to this House of Wrestling on Inside the Ropes exclusive interview. It's me, Nick Hausman. At this time, I am joined by somebody that you've seen on WWE TV, Lucha Underground. You've maybe seen him on your independence. Maybe you've been in Japan, seen him there too. Who knows? It's Paul London. Paul, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me here today.
1: Yeah, thanks, Nick. No, this is this is cool, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank well, you.
0: Well, it it took us, you know, like uh, like a dog chasing its tail. It finally happened. It was It was meant to be here today, you and I. <laughs> Uh, but I'm pretty excited, man. I had the chance to break some news uh, about a week or so ago about this globe, this global pro wrestling summit that's going to go down in Jerusalem, Israel. You're going to have Sting doing a very rare non-AEW appearance here. And you are going to take on Vikingo and Ultimo Dragon in a triple threat match that a lot of people like they sent me the gif of like uh, Breaking Bad where they're like making crack. They're like, who cooked this up here? Were you in the room? Were you high when this got put together? How did this How did this match come to be? What are your thoughts on this one here?
1: Um, I was not in the room nor doing crack. Um, good, good. Yeah, I. Uh, it was presented to me by the officials who set the whole thing up. Um, and I thought, uh, first of all, I thought, wow, you know, Israel—that's somewhere I've never been that I've always uh, had plenty of uh, very positive curiosities about um, and you know anytime I mean bottom line that's the real advantage and blessing of you know being in the position uh, that I'm in where you're able to travel and do something you uh, are still kind of good at I guess uh, and something that you enjoy but the real benefit enjoy is getting to travel and kind of be this um i don't know global cosmic ambassador Mm -hmm. um so you know i i always take a lot of pride in in representing myself from texas um maybe not visually because i don't i don't speak with a drawl and i don't wear a cowboy hat i do have boots um but but, you know, I'm very proud to be from Texas, especially with its lineage of professional wrestlers and, and legends um, that have come long before me. Um, and so getting put in a match like that is um, it's very exciting, obviously, for obvious reasons. Ultimo Dragon's a legend in his own, you know, um, in his own, really. And Vikingo is somebody who I first caught wind of Uh, I think when he appeared on Impact just before the pandemic, he had appeared a few. um, It's funny because I can't remember who the commentator was, but they completely butchered uh, the Spanish of his name because it was like hijo del Vikingo. And they were like, Hi, Joe. Of McKin- I was like, oh, my gosh, this is embarrassing. Hi, Joe. Oh, uh, no good. Hi- no, hi, Joe. No, hi, Joe. No, hi, Joe's or hijinks. Um, yeah. Maybe plenty of hijinks, but no, high Joe's. Sure. Uh, but I was blown away. And I felt like, man, they really need to make this guy a, a full time, you know, wrestler for them because uh, I just I thought he was phenomenal. He was, you know, far, far better than anything else I was seeing on that program. Um which, you know, take it as it is. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, phenomenal talent. Phenomenal talent. And I've I've known Ultimo Dragon. I've shared locker rooms with him. I don't think I've ever been in any... I, I may have been in some weird, you know, eight-man tags or something with him uh, when he was at WWE for, for a spell. Um, but needless to say, I mean, very exciting. You know, um, I you know, it already gets my, my wheels turning in terms of uh, possible ways to approach it uh, possible things I'd like to hopefully see out of it overall. I just, I think it'll be a real uh, barn burner for the, for the audience and uh, I'm thrilled. I'm just, I'm really honored to be able to venture over to Israel and perform for those people and uh, learn as much as I can about you know their their way of life and the culture and, and try their foods and and see see whatever I can see you know with the sure. time that we're there so um, yeah I am I'm, I'm really amped for it and really it's really an honor uh, to be attached to something like that especially when you also you have so many names attached um, you know I don't know quite all the names that they have released in terms of who's going to appear um i got having no okay
0: psycho clown rvd frankie kazarian rikishi uh and of course the big one sting and i don't know if you and sting have ever shared a shared
1: time together or not i don't know that i've ever met sting to be honest with you i was about
0: to say you guys never crossed. this is a first time here
1: yeah right right uh i was wondering if i could reach out to his people and and see if he would either be offended or take you know, it takes some, some joy. And, and if I, if I could adopt the, the sting, uh, the Joker sting character, uh, cause that's really my favorite sting uh, iteration. I don't know. That's, that's my, that's one of my, This I can't say it's my fate. It's one of my favorite characters is Joker sting. I um, know
0: hmm. it's, <laughs> It's making you giggle. Why are you giggling so hard thinking about Joker Sting right now? Is it just because you have a personal affinity? What is this?
1: It's just so. I I just think like uh, the bravery on this guy to uh, you know, and he's a legend, and it, you know, he's definitely a legend. Um, but it you know it makes me wonder, you know, like it, you know when he when he took on the crow persona, like did he see the crow? Several years after, I mean, that, the no, crow, the, oh. when he, did that come? He yeah. came
0: out, it came out around the same time. But if I recall, I think it was Scott Hall that pitched a sting that he should do the crow gimmick. I don't think it was really? a sting idea.
1: Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Well, I mean, fast forward to, you know, what, 2007 or eight. I'm not sure when he started doing the Joker sting thing. That sounds about right. Maybe 2009, even 2010. Sure. No, I think it might have been later it was what
0: whatever it, year every guy dressed as the joker for halloween the year that batman no, returns came out
1: no no i feel, I, I feel it was actually kind of later like it might have been more into like 2013 maybe to, i feel like it was later so i just i always have this this uh this vision in my head of of staying you know up late at night flipping through the channels and stumbling upon the dark night and being like
0: See, okay, so he his TNT heavyweight or his TNT heavy. Nobody jumped on this. Oh, I gotta do this. He he started doing Joker thing. It looks like around 2011, like 2011. that towards sort of, That was he main event mafia was 08 to 09. So okay. I don't know. I don't know if he was doing it by then. And by the way, this is all based on Wikipedia. Please do not think I pulled this out on but, my own.
1: Well, needless to say, I think you know. Anytime you adopt a persona, that's. Uh, clearly, um, you know, inspired by such an iconic performance, you know, by Heath Ledger. I mean, who, who wasn't blown away by that whole, not just that whole series, but that, that portrayal in particular, you know, I mean, uh, I think, you know, he won, did he not win an Oscar like posthumously, I think for that. Um, Oh man. I don't even remember. I'm not an Oscars guy. I'm not okay. that bad. Yeah. Yeah. I'm more of an Oscar, the grouch guy. Sure. So, I like him and the cookie yeah. monster. They're great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I'm, I hang out in trash cans. So that's good. Yeah. Either way. I I, I think it'll be great. I mean, I, I'm just really excited. Uh, it'll be neat to be, you know, that just the names that you had listed off. It's, it's really a who's who, uh, the professional wrestling world. Um, I know Van Dam, you know, fairly well. And I've always really enjoyed, uh, talking with him and getting along with him and um firing you know silly movies and stuff back and forth so uh, we,
0: we talk about movies you're talking so passionately about heath ledger the, one of the reasons it took us a little while to kind of meet up was because you're you're auditioning you're like you're a, are you a, a working actor in hollywood is that a fair way to to call you what or no man,
1: yeah i feel like you're only a working actor when you're currently working mm-hmm. you know so um I, uh, I, I put in three more auditions over the weekend. I'm, I'm, I'm continuously, I'm auditioning pretty much multiple times every week. Um, but you know, there's, there's so much that goes into whether you land the role, you know, I mean, you can, you can definitely be the best actor that is seen for something, but it doesn't even that, I mean, that doesn't guarantee that you're going to get the role. So, um, but I have my really bad auditions too. I had a really probably one of my worst auditions a couple of weeks ago. And oh, I, tell me
0: about it. Let me hear a bad Paul London audition story. I'm about it.
1: Um, no, well, it was just you know after after the you know post pandemic, which I guess you know we're still feeling the effects of. Obviously, um, I would say ninety. of auditions that you initially go out for, you end up, you send in a tape as opposed to going into the room Hmm. and the casting director. So uh, for callbacks and things of that nature, yeah, you'll end up going into the room and getting to talk with the casting director and read for them in person, which I kind of prefer because, you know, it'll, it affords you an opportunity to have some dialogue, you know, ask some questions um, Possibly get some redirects. Um, there are advantages, obviously, to self tape, but like the self tape situation is you'll put yourself on tape, you know, get a reader. You want to make sure everything's uh, shot and lit correctly and sounds good and everything. So there's all those technical bits that you are responsible for. But, you know, there are a lot of kind of um, self tape studios, basically, where you can go and you book an amount of time. Um and they provide the reader and all you know, they do the editing, they send you the file. So it makes it a lot easier.
0: Huh. What a
1: niche yeah. industry.
0: I'm sorry. What a niche industry. Only in um, Hollywood, yeah,
1: you know? It really is. I mean, when I was um I mean it depends also what part of the country you're in. So obviously the big markets, you know, LA, Atlanta, um, New York, probably Vancouver, um, they're gonna have a wealth of these you know, different studios, uh, doing, you know, offering these services, but as the market gets smaller, um, for example, like in Albuquerque, there's really only maybe one or two people that offer that kind of service. And mm. so they kind of really set the price. Um, but when you have a bunch of people offering that service, uh, you know, it you can find something pretty affordable that makes a lot of sense. And, um, I go to the same place for pretty much all my self-tapes. Uh, okay. But going back to this bad one. Yeah, I want to hear
0: the bad story. I'm fascinated wait. by this new industry I've learned about, but tell me the bad acting story or bad audition uh, story. Just, yeah.
1: Yeah, a friend of mine who primarily works with Asylum, um, so that already starts to let you understand where this is going. I don't know if you're familiar with Asylum films, but they put out, like, all the nato movies and, Okay. although kind of mock mockbusters, as they call them. Uh, so he reached out to me asking for my availability, um, because he was directing a project coming up and, uh, here I am thinking like, Oh, well, he's asking my availability. Like, is, is this just like an offer, which happens, um, here and there, you know, a lot of times, you know, people that I've worked with before will just contact me and ask for my availability. And, um, fortunately i'll just I'll, sometimes i'll get offered something and um that's always great uh so i thought you know yeah fully available for you know the dates you sent me and everything he's like okay well i'm gonna send you over the uh the sides you know which are the the, the break of you know the lines or the scenes that they want you to read and uh he's like you know asylum wants to see tapes you know I thought, okay so you're asking you know so this is an audition you're not offering the bit uh an audition. Okay, cool. Uh, and the challenging thing for an actor is when you get. Uh, obviously, we're still in the midst of this writers' strike, um, but you you get you get stuff that maybe isn't written as well. Um, it's much harder to audition for for stuff that is not written well, and it's not to say the writing is like really bad but just in comparison to something that's written really well um, it does make a challenge out of it because then you're really having to kind of really bring something to life that um, you know, you're wrapping your head around thinking like ah, it's, it's just that they, people don't talk this way, you know? Um, so I, I don't know. It, 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 just wasn't my, my best. I'll just put it that way. Um yeah. And I would have liked to have done it, done it better and tried it again. But it is what it is. I mean, um, Michael Jordan, I'm sure, had a couple games where he scored less than 20.
0: Now, your uh, last name is London. Now, are, now, I don't know that I've ever actually directly asked you or talked to you about this. But you're I've heard you're related to the other Londons, right? Jeremy, Jason, or no? Are you not part of the it, London family?
1: It, yeah, there, there's some... Uh, they're not like immediate cousins um but if i understand correctly i think they're from oklahoma okay um so you which...
0: guys close it sounds like no?
1: No, no 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 uh i mean i think i think jeremy and i follow each other uh right. <laughs> on social media i just
0: think that's wild because i don't think people like because I, I look at you and now when i see you guys next year, i'm like yeah those guys i see it i see the, like i
1: see the the lineage there you know yeah I in oklahoma so um you know that london name goes back uh so i i i haven't connected the dots uh specifically but it's in there somewhere and i've met i've met i've met them at you know airports and stuff i mean they're they're good guys and i enjoy their work i've always been a fan of their work Um, sure who
0: doesn't love mall rats days to confused right where's your stoner comedy paul where's your stoner
1: comedy my friend Dracula ascension and um one of my personal favorites this is a real guilty pleasure is uh Carrie 2 the rage okay a banger
0: i'll go out of my way this weekend to find Carrie 2
1: oh man the end credit song is it's badass but it's <laughs> okay. it's a very it's a very 1999 that's when it came out which is uh I want to say is when i graduated high school yeah so it's how a- how much,
0: of, how much of your life now do you focus on acting and, and that side of the business as opposed to pro wrestling? How much how much time do you like to dedicate to pro wrestling now?
1: Uh, how much time do I like to dedicate to pro wrestling? Yeah. <laughs> I keep up with it as much as I can. You know, as much as I can stand being on social media, I keep up with it. Uh, I can't say that I go out of my way to watch matches that people talk about or, you know... Um, I don't know. I would say I dedicate. Boy, I mean, this is gonna put me in a box where they're gonna be like, oh, he's not my really good quest- my question was wrestling. less
0: my my question was less about, about how much you're watching, which I can tell you as people get older, they watch less wrestling unless they're like Jim Cornette or whatever, and yeah. whatever. But like, how much time do you want to be in the business of professional wrestling? I'm talking working, wrestling, backstage capacity. Like, how much of your life do you want to be? in the pro wrestling business right now, as opposed to kind of the acting Hollywood side of things?
1: Um, less. I mean, I, I much prefer to be working as an actor than traveling and wrestling and dealing with the nonsense of professional wrestling. Um, i much prefer to work as an actor. It's, uh, to me, it's more challenging and it's more personally rewarding for me. Uh, in terms of wrestling, I'm extremely grateful. I mean, I've, I've, done more than i ever initially set out to do and i'm still doing it right i have two shows this weekend um i got the the big tour coming up in september uh i'm continuously fielding bookings and and you know trying to line up my schedule uh to accommodate these bookings and to go to cities and towns that i enjoy going to and working with people that i like working with i was recently in cleveland for aiw who i'm Uh, I love AIW. You're awesome.
0: You've been with them for a long time, haven't you?
1: Um, not no, like initially I was with them quite a man over a decade ago, I would say.
0: Hey, yeah.
1: Yeah. And then, um, it wasn't until recently. I think I just went back to them in February and, you know, I, when the pandemic hit and all this stuff, I mean, I hadn't really done a match. I hadn't wrestled in close to a couple of years, you know, maybe almost three years. Um, I was lined up to go to ring of honor in Vegas. I want to say maybe March or maybe March 14th, somewhere in there, like right as they, the lockdowns hit and everything. And, so, I was going to go for Ring of Honor in Vegas, and that whole thing got canceled uh, yeah. because of the lockdowns. So, since then, I hadn't really done much until really like last year. I kind of just um, was doing my own thing and, you know, shot some films and just really focused on that and just kind of uh, detached myself a lot of it. I mean, I was still doing you know, the occasional podcasts, uh, but, you know, I just wasn't really into it. I, um I still have a lot of friends, most, you know, good number of my friends are all professional wrestlers. Um, and I still keep up with them and, you know, a few of them that are on TV, I'll, I'll, I'll see what they do. And when we will message each other, you know, multiple times a week or whatever. Uh, but I, yeah, I, going back to it, I don't, I don't go out of my way to watch televised wrestling. It's just, uh, it doesn't do it for me. I think most of it's pretty overproduced and it doesn't really offer anything that excites me. Um, It's not to say that the the performers aren't, you know, spectacular or entertaining because athletically they they certainly are. Um, But I just, there's nothing... I guess I find a lot of it very silly, Um, not in a good, silly kind of way, but in kind of like a, well, this makes absolutely no sense. Like, this is, you know, and I love horror films. Don't get me wrong. I can watch, you know, Jason X. Like, I can watch Friday the 13th all the way through, and it's like, oh, they're going to bring Jason back this time. Like, oh, this is ridiculous. You know, like, they cut his arm off, he's still coming back. They're in space. Jason X ruled, by the way, if you haven't seen Jason X. I think it's a black comedy. Um, I I really think it's uh, a comedy. I think Mm -hmm. they kind of intended to make it, you know, so
0: anyway, we're not here to talk about Jace next. I understand what you're saying. Yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But I just, I, you know, I get so many, I have so many issues with, with wrestling where I'll, I'll watch it. And it's such a self hype machine, which I've never been a big, self-hype guy. Um, I, I always feel kind of like a, a lousy car salesman uh, when I'm kind of even thinking of putting myself over publicly. Okay. Um, so, yeah, just something that I'm just never super comfortable with. Um, hmm. But but with that said, you know, there's so many wrestlers uh, that are great at it and, and make their career out of doing that. So then, but when then I watch their work, it's it's very underwhelming, and I think like, huh, like they must really be good at this social media thing because I don't I don't see it I don't see it You yeah. know I don't um, so I just I think a lot of it just doesn't make any sense, and to me, I want to I want to mark out You know I think we're all marked. In various degrees. Um, if we weren't, we wouldn't be involved, you know, because I think there's still some thread within us that helps to see something that might be real. Yeah. Right? Well, that's he why wasn't... the
0: bloodline stuff's kind of clicking right now. I mean, that's like the biggest story in wrestling. It's they're all family members, and everybody kind of can maybe see some reality in it, which is tough to do, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've I've heard of of that storyline. Um, I'm not an Usos fan, uh, personally, because, uh, I don't know who, but one of them's a fucking idiot, drunk driver, dumb fuck. Uh, and I'll make no secret about that. I think anybody who has not just one, but multiple drunk driving infractions is a fucking idiot. Um, and so when they get rewarded, uh, it, it turns me off even more. Right. And so you can call it whatever it is, nepotism or whatever. Um, but I have zero interest in supporting any of that. Man. So, um, good luck to them.
0: I, I had heard that you turned down like, or I think you talked about it. You turned out AEW dark cause you wanted to work as like a coach or like help backstage or something like that. Do you, do you, I mean, cause you talk about like, I mean that's a very I mean look very very Valid comment that you just made first of all But like it's tough to change The environment from the outside Like is getting back kind Of into that mix and being able To have influence and Change things is that something that still appeals To you or or no
1: Absolutely um, I'm a huge Supporter and believer In kayfabe I think uh, When people are like oh the times Have changed and you know get with the Program you old heads yeah and all this stuff it's uh, its such a weak argument because how I see it is at its roots at its, at its absolute roots and core professional wrestling is kind of the ultimate form of carnyism right and yeah. so these people are showing up they're buying their ticket the audience is there they're there because they want to believe they know this oh, this is predetermined and, like, it's phony and blah, blah, blah. Um, okay, great, right? So you're going to feed into that? Or are you going to do what you can to, to to actually try to make even just one person, hopefully everyone, but even just one person, believe? Knowing what it is, can you get them to actually believe what you're doing is legit? Did that, that actually hurt. Like you can't tell me that didn't hurt, right? That's the goal is to get the the audience to believe, to really believe again. <clears throat> so when you're just giving it away, you're doing the complete uh industry, you're doing everything a disservice. The, the industry yourself, your coworkers, you're doing everything a disservice when you're just giving in. So when people say, Oh, K Fabe's dead, like that's such an old head mentality, you're lazy. You are lazy and you lack commitment. And it is obviously more important to you to be liked and vilified by strangers on social media than to have any sense of pride and integrity upholding something that you continuously sacrifice your body and mental well-being to do, right? So now you're just going to give it all away. And it's, it's the same thing with, social media posts, right? Um, I, I point to this example, you know, you'll have this big feud. These these two hate each other. Oh my God. They hate each other and it, it's blood feud. Um, and then they hop right on social media and they're taking pictures, shopping together, having dinner together and like, oh, they'll hop right on after the match. Thank you for taking care of me. Love you. Love you. Kisses. It's like shut the fuck
0: up. <laughs> Okay, fair what
1: enough.
0: What are you doing? God damn. Yeah. Um, it's so, so weird to me, by the way, because I feel like when I close my eyes, like I'm listening to CM Punk right now, but I know I don't think you guys get along. Um, but very similar uh, mentalities. I've heard very, very similar criticisms.
1: I mean, I, I you know, then that's, then that's an aspect of him that I appreciate. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, I'm not a fan of people who are marks for themselves. And... I think it's very obvious he is the biggest mark for himself. Wow! Okay. Um, so people in that in that realm, I'm not a fan of.
0: Um, and this all, but wait, I didn't mean to bring this, but this, you guys, it's like Ring of Honor stuff, right?
1: Like you went back there, and he was no, just like, I mean, I honestly, I I first met Phil and like TNA, I think, back in Nashville. Okay. Uh, just briefly, you know, he interfered in like a next division match I had with Chris Sabin. Yes, yes. Um, love Chris Sabin. Um, and I really enjoyed that match, except for that finish, which I was like, okay. Uh, but uh, you know, I wasn't there for the for the infamous uh, Teddy Hart beating him up at the White Trash Cafe. Down the street, which is where we all had catering uh, when we would do these Wednesday uh, pay-per-views in Wait, Nashville.
0: Teddy Hart beat up CM Punk at a diner or something like you this? Know this. Story I, I've never heard this story. Sorry, so this like, one's new.
1: was new. Yeah. Like down the road, this is the we were at the Nashville Fairgrounds. I think or I think that's what it was. The Nashville Fairgrounds is where TNA initially. all right. the first TNA was like I think in Alabama. Um, these are when they were doing their Wednesday night pay-per-views. It was every Wednesday night for like ten bucks. Um I remember and, this
0: period by the way.
1: So you don't?
0: No, I do remember this period. Oh, okay. Okay. I
1: remember, okay. Yeah. Okay. The first couple of shows I believe were in Alabama. Then they moved to Nashville, which is where they were at the fairgrounds, and that's where I came in. And I was still in college at the time. So uh, you can only imagine my grades the start of the plummet when I would uh, <laughs> skip class on you know uh, definitely on Wednesdays because i was gone uh, i would fly out i guess i would fly out wednesday morning so i would make it to class tuesday uh <laughs> whether i would go to class on thursday when i got back was anybody's guess <laughs> um and uh but we would eat at this diner they had catering set up for us at this diner just just at the bottom of the hill um, and it was called the White Trash Cafe. I don't know if it's still there or not, but it was it was great. Um, they really embraced their name, you know. Right like <laughs> yeah, they have like this sign up inside the the cafe. And mind you, this is not. I mean, it's it was like the size of maybe like a double wide. Like it wasn't like a diner, so to speak. It was um, a very small, just a one room little. It felt kind of like a like a big trailer, Um, but this is where they this was a a functioning business, and they had this sign (laughs) inside inside the white trash cafe, and it was like, uh, pick up you know pick up and throw away your food, like pick up after yourself. Uh, I think what was it It was like clean up after yourself, or we'll pop the tires on your house. Cool. Uh, Yeah, it was fun. Uh, But on one of these weeks that I wasn't there. I remember because Michael Shane was there and he told me, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think Punk had said some smart comment or something to Teddy Hart who uh, took him down, basically just took him down to the ground and was pummeling him. And I think maybe Sabu pulled him off or something. Um, wow. But uh, yeah, any any version of that story you hear, it's never yeah, Punk took Teddy down and got on top of him. Like, it's that's not that's not at all how any of the versions are. Um, but you know, I, yeah, I think Phil's another one of those guys who you know is like a self hype machine and uh, he's done great for himself, right? I mean, he's a huge, huge pro wrestling star. Um, you would think his experience in UFC would have humbled him some. But needless to say, he he definitely understands the platform that he's on and he, he uses it uh, to the best of his you know capabilities, uh, not taking anything away of his stardom or his ability or his talent. <laughs> he's certainly one of the best talkers in the business, and um, he's great at what he does. So um, I'm just, you know, I don't know what. I don't know where the, the friction started, but when I, I think he was on that last ring of honor show. I did uh, when I faced Samoa Joe, it was kind of like a send off for me. So I went to WWE. I was there for, I want to say uh, a year or two at the time. Uh, I ended up having this pay-per-view blow off match with Billy Kidman at no mercy. And it was in New Jersey. And we had a day or two before the pay-per-view. Um, certainly the day before. But Ring of Honor was in Philadelphia. Um, not at the Murphy Rec. But wherever they were, wherever they worked their shows after the Murphy Wreck, I think it was like in the northern part of town. Uh, so I went to see some friends of mine. It was actually the first time I had ever met... Uh, Jack Evans. I want to say it was possibly the first time I had met Jimmy Jacobs, who became a really good friend of mine. Cool. Um, But he might have also been the one who invited me. I can't quite remember the details there. But needless to say, I showed up at the Ring of Honor show just to check it out. Right? I have this big pay-per-view blow-off match um, the following day or that weekend. And multiple talents were Coming up to me, they're like, Oh my God, so glad you're back. Like, when are you coming back full time? Like, when are you coming back? It's like, uh, probably not anytime soon if I can help it. You know, like I kind of just am really starting to get a little bit of momentum. Um, so I don't know that I'll be coming back anytime soon. You know, and they were like, Oh, you got to come, please come back, please come back. Like, yeah, he's the worst. He's the worst. He's the triple H of the locker room. And I'm like, Who are you talking about? They're like, Oh, CM Punk, he's the worst. I'm like, really? Like, is he that? Like. So
0: what huh? makes what makes him so? What was making him so difficult? I guess why why did he have this I reputation? I,
1: yeah. I guess he's just he's just, he's just always been a huge politic guy, right? So, um, usually guys who politic um, with their very last, to their very last breath are not the most uh, appreciated or respected amongst their peers. Um, you know, you would think let your work. Speak for you and Um if you're if you're that Good then you don't need to politic Right I've never been a politic guy I've always allowed my work to Speak for itself um Which might explain why I only put in About five and a half six years at WWE right I was just, I never-
0: well you also had an Inconvenient laugh there or smirk or whatever You want to say at the end that I, yeah. you know You
1: know inconvenience Absolutely uh Ignorance Sure uh in not in the know sure i mean there's lots of reasons for that smile but that's that's neither here nor there it is not um, it's good but i remember walking so i thought like he can't be that bad like really like because i never really got that whiff of him at tna i wasn't around him that long <laughs> um and the few times you know and like and i've i've hung out with him i want to say i've there are times you know, we've hung out, not just he and I, but in groups. And it was fine. Like, you know, I, I didn't mind. I didn't not like the guy. I, I still, it's not like I don't like him. Um, we just don't, you know, we don't, we don't operate the same way and that's fine. Sure. So I remember going back to the bigger uh, area of the backstage and I ran into Joe and I, I started talking to small Joe and, you know, cause you know, we had known each other since, uh, Southern California at UPW. So we're talking and I notice out of the corner of my eye this 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 kind of uh, shadowy figure paced back and forth. I'm like, what the hell is going on over here? And I look and it's Phil and he, he just and he walks up to me and he goes hi and gives me the most insincere handshake. I'm like, hi. You know, I mean, he just and he walks, so I storms off. I'm like, what "The fuck was that?" Like, wow. I obligated to say hi to me, but he was, he was not happy that I was there for some reason. I don't know what was up his ass. Um, and uh, but yeah, that's that. I mean, I I just huh. never had any cross words. I mean, we never had any arguments or anything. I just uh, you gravitate and hang around people that be you, you know like minded. Sure, I never been like mine and probably never will be and that's fine. Well, you don't yeah. seem
0: like you don't seem like you, you you you're not talking like you see like you, you seem like a fit for for wwe right now. I could be misreading the way you're talking. <laughs> um yeah, I think I'm honest. Well, I'm just saying, right? Like, you know, it doesn't seem like you're super hyper engaged with that 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 environment. Is there any thought you've given to creating your own space? I mean, you seem like a really creative guy, obviously a lot yeah. of connections, you know.
1: There is. There is. Um... More so on the sense of I'm kind of in the midst of negotiations um, to opening up a school. Oh, cool! Uh, that I that I will fully be in control of and fully be in charge of. That makes me sound like a control freak, but um, I'm very uh, I'm all for collaboration. But also, when it comes to professional wrestling. I I just, I have a very specific way of what works for me and what I think um, works universally in a way that is um, safe, obviously, to those involved. Um, It's not something like, like, let's, let's, let's promote recklessness and teach you how to be a deathmatch wrestler. Like, that's not in my wheelhouse. You know, if you want to do that, there's other places you can learn to do that, I'm sure. Uh, Like Walmart. OK, but, uh, but yeah, I, I just if, if there's anything that I can help in terms of, you know, the current and future generations in terms of helping them uh, ascend or make sense of things or see the light bulbs go off, then I'm I'm more than happy and honored to do that and to contribute any way that I can in helping um, talent, you know. And, and that was part of the initial discussion when I reached out to AEW. wasn't, Hey, you know, like, put me on your show. Like, come on. Are you kidding? Like, look at me. Come on. um, Like, Hey, you know, like, I'm just kind of inquiring to see, you know, if there's any way that I can be of assistance to you guys, Uh, whether it from a coaching standpoint, a manager standpoint, a talking piece, you know, whatever it is. Oh, well, you know, we have enough of those what do they do, right? Like you so you have enough of them, but they don't do anything. Um, because I know they have a ton of, you know, very, very uh well respected veterans in the background, um, and in the locker room. But what are they actually showing these guys? Because it's not translating on the television show, right? Mm-hmm. Um so is it just that the the young performers are just not listening or they're just, you know, giving lip service and like nodding their head and then going out there and not taking any of this advice or what, because to me, the show's unwatchable. Um, you're talking I'm dynamite.
0: Not... You're talking about AEW dynamite in particular.
1: Yeah. I mean, and, and this is this was obviously, this was like early on. I haven't watched it in years. Um, but when it first came on, uh, You know, like anybody else, you know, you're curious about what this new promotion is offering. Yeah. Um, And there's a lot of good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying like it's all bad. There's a lot of good to take in there. Um, But there's a lot of very glaring, obvious uh, mistakes in logic that you just want to slap somebody and see like, how, how did this seem to be a good idea? And one example I'll give specifically, I believe, from this year was some ridiculous ladders and tables match, which involved, like, the Lucha Bros and... Are are you
0: talking about the match from Ring of Honor, the uh, Reach for the Sky Ladder Match, where um, I believe it was Dante Martin that over rotated to the outside and like
1: broke it? So that was on a Ring of Honor show, or I
0: believe that was the RO. I believe that was yeah, because that was the Reach for the Sky Ladder Match. I believe. Yeah.
1: To be honest, I can't call it Ring of Honor now. It's not. It's not. It. That's on the banner, but that it's not the same to me, right? And it's not the Ring of Honor that that I'm familiar with and that I really loved. Um, you know, I don't know, to me, it's just like, well, everybody knows Ring of Honor. I'll buy that name and use that name and that'll immediately bring in views as opposed to why don't you just start up another fresh thing? Obviously you don't want Ring of Honor to die off and that's great, but it it's not the same. But needless to say, I didn't know that that was, so that was whatever. That was on one of those Ring of Honor. Shows, it was a Tony right? Khan production. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Let's just call it that, right? So, like okay. one of these T.K. productions, right? Right. Yeah. Um, what's the point of the match? To grab the the butt donut thing, right? <laughs> um, the Fruit Loop or whatever the hell that thing was. Uh, the the life preserver. Um, Brass That's ring. the point of it. Right?
0: I think it, it used to be a brass ring. I don't know what it rep. I, it was the reach for the sky match. I just think they used it as a holding place. I'm not sure.
1: So. like honey bunches of oats or whatever those golden Cheerios. The Cheerios match. Um, Pentagon, who I I like. I like Pentagon. I worked. You know, we worked alongside each other. Uh, I agented quite a few of his matches. The Lucha Underground. Um, I like both those. I like everybody involved. Uh, I don't think I've ever I've never met Dante Martin, but man, do my feelings go out to him because what an unfortunate and so avoidable, like what, what such an avoidable accident, right? So if, if in correct me if I'm mistaken here, but Pentagon's climbing the ladder, they had set this ladder up, or the ladder's there, then they had set up another ladder to make like a um Bridge. bridge, yeah, yeah. Whatever the hell. Uh, the donuts up here, so he's climbing the ladder, bypasses the donut to climb to the other side to walk across this bridge to do a fucking Canadian destroyer, which is the, the modern day clothesline now, um, and completely. Turns his kid's ankle around, does you know, dislocates, whatever fractures. I mean, th- he's probably not coming back anytime soon. Yeah. Um, horrific, horrific. And you're sitting here pulling your face off with frustration because you think, I guess it's more important to the wrestlers to uh, do anything else. <laughs> But I don't know. Uh win the match.
0: Uh, now now you're giving me Sean Waltman vibes. Now I'm getting big Sean Waltman vibes off of you.
1: Really? <laughs> I don't know. I love Sean. I, I'm not I don't know where that I don't know what the, the vibes are, but it's because it's because Scott Hall was
0: the king of the ladder matches and made it very, very clear and I'm rehashing all kinds of former podcasts at this point, but it was very, very clear to Sean the the importance of a ladder match is keeping whatever you're going after to be the thing that you're going after. If that's not the most important part of the match, then what are you even doing? Right. What are you even
1: doing? What are you even doing? Correct. Um, so yeah, that, that still frustrates me to this day. Um, just that nobody, you know, that the agents or whoever's back there, uh, collecting a check and sucking up the catering, uh, thought, yeah, that sounds like a good idea okay cool that sounds great that sounds great guys i'm just going to uh say yes to everything and uh, write this down because um, my, you know I, <laughs> the checks are coming in and boy that catering spread is a delight so uh i don't want to jeopardize any of that so oh oh, oh bypass the very thing with no one near you just so so don't grab the ring when it's, it's like grazing your shoulder as you're climbing over the lot, don't grab it. And then just climb down and get away from the thing you're trying to grab uh, to do this other thing that doesn't matter and makes no sense. And, oh, what, would, you, would you look at that? One of our best young talents is, is done for a year. Hmm. I didn't see that coming. Oh, who would have? Oh, one of those freak accidents. And you've done a lot of ladder matches in your day. I mean, I've done a, I've done a, a share of them, right? I mean, obviously the most, uh, the most known would be the one from Armageddon, right? With the four teams, uh, but even then, I remember Brian and I very specifically, and along with Regal and Taylor, bless them, because that really, you know, that really helped uh, add so many colors to that match with them being scared to climb the ladder and. I loved that whole bit of it. It was just it. cool
0: seeing them together as like a child of yeah. WCW Saturday night. Sure. I was like, what the fuck is even going on right now? Okay, go
1: yeah, ahead. Yeah, yeah. Like kind of regal, like kind of nudging Taylor. Like, well, I'll help you. I'm not crying. I loved it. Uh, but, you know, Brian and I were very adamant about anything that we do with the ladder. We're gonna, it's going to be for the sake of setting it up to climb it and win the match. It, if we use the ladder for any other reason, it'll be because of circumstance. Oh, it just happened to be there. Or, oh, it it just, you know, it's in a situation. Basically, we're not going to use the ladder for anything other than climbing to win the match. If we do use the ladder, it's because it just happened to be there and it was an opportunity to further uh, hurt our opponents so that then we could win the match. Right. Right. <laughs> um so we literally had no idea that this um you know backyarder uh seesaw spot was even devised so when that whole thing happened and there's this big kind of uh eight person we're all down and I think we were on the floor outside and everything and I'm starting to kind of get up For you know to kind of move into the next bit Uh, you know it's like someone's missing someone's missing here like what is this like what is what happened right like literally we had no clue um and then you know i I spill over to the other side and i see this this pond of blood (laughs) and it's like oh shit like what happened what was this right so um
0: for those that don't know what Paul's talking about, it's Joey Mercury took a seesaw spot uh, wrong to the head in that match and nearly died, right? Am I getting the right – remember recalling the correct spot?
1: We'll try to win the match. Uh, let's try to win the match. So I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll set this ladder up, uh, you know, in the corner on its side, and then let's, you know, let's let's put another ladder down this way Uh yeah, that'll help us win the match. And then, uh, yeah, Jeff will come off and sit on it while you two fight like idiots over this obviously hazardous uh, situation here. Uh, <laughs> right. And uh, the seesaw will come up and hit you guys in the face. Sound good? Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, that that sends Joey off to become a fan of the opera. Um and uh, uh were you we, speaking
0: up when that spot was being put together? Being like, do we have to do this? Yeah.
1: That's what I'm saying. We had no idea that match or that spot was being put together. Mm-hmm. That was something they went and put together on their own, mm-hmm. away from the group. Right? Oh, um man. That's a let's get our backyard shit in, because we're glorified backyarders. So let's 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 do what we do. We're in Virginia. We're in the backyard of North Carolina. Let's do what we do. Let's do what we do. This is what we do. This Paul, is, is,
0: now, we Paul is now channeling the Hardys for those that don't know exactly what Paul's. Doing
1: so, yeah. Nonsense. Nonsense. And mind you, one of those nonsensical backyarders was the only one, probably the one who came up with the fucking thing, was the only one who didn't go visit Joey in the hospital afterwards. We all went to see him afterwards. I do not even care for the guy. But as a fellow coworker guy in the match, yeah, I'm gonna go check on this dude because he might lose his eye. I don't know what the extent of this injury is. Like, We're gonna go check on him. Um, Oh, where's, hey Jeff, it's uh, good to see you, man. Where, uh, where, huh, where's your brother? Anyways.
0: Wow. That's uh, that's awful. That's really terrible to hear. It's been a moment since I thought about that injury, man. It was fucking brutal. And you're right, man. And
1: And you're right. I don't dislike Joey, but again, he's a politicker and he was a politicker. So, uh,
0: yeah. Oh, well. Okay. Well, you it sounds like let's want to get back to the school. Is the school you're talking about where you're going to train people to do smart things. Is that going to be is it looking California based, Texas based, like where where do you think the school would be?
1: Uh yeah, we're looking at California. Um we figured why not pick the most expensive, second most expensive state in the country. That seems like a good idea.
0: Great idea for young struggling pro wrestlers.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, it just, it seems to make sense. Uh, you know, maybe we could build a tree house that they can stay in.
0: You can get them a flop house. Come on. There's parts, there's parts of town. You could get a flop house for the wrestlers.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we're, we're currently in negotiations with real estate agents at Skid Row. Cool. So, Very um, strange. but the thing is, there's, there's so many schools out there that are taught by people who never left their town. And it's not to say that they're not, they're not good trainers. Um, but something I read really early on when I was trying to find a school was that they couldn't make a star out of themselves. What do you expect them to do with you? Hmm. Now, Obviously there are exceptions to that. There've been lots of wonderful trainers who people don't know about and they've taught others, you know, who've gone on to great success. Um, I've been very fortunate to have been trained by some of the most legendary wrestlers there is. And so any of that knowledge, as well as the knowledge that I've picked up along the way that I can share, that's really kind of the, the whole, the whole point of it. Um, cool. And yes, we will teach ladder spots uh, on day one. So
0: there you go. The the most complicated backyard. Like you got a duct tape or fluorescent light tube to one side, because that's that's really what's going to make things pop here, physically
1: pop. You know. Yeah. Well, when everyone comes into the building, I'm gonna be like, "Hey, uh, no shoes, no socks. Leave them out the door." And they're gonna see that I'm sprinkling thumbtacks all around the ring.
0: It does Because like John and I, I, we got along here, but John Moxley just had this line where he's like advocated why there should be more blood in pro wrestling. He's like, if we're we're not having real fights, why, why we should be bleeding constantly all the time. You know, that's his mentality at the moment. He's defending an excessive amount of blood. He thinks it makes the whole product more real when you bleed all the time.
1: I mean, the only person I think who, who can, who can say that legitimately and who didn't even bleed all the time. But, you know, you look at Ric Flair, you look at Dusty, hell, you even look at like Abdullah the Butcher. That, that was believable. And in those situations, they did it in a way where it was believable and it added to the, the drama of what they were doing. Um, maybe not so much in the Abdullah, I mean department, but he made his more of a spectacle, right? I'm not as in tune with his uh, library um, but pretty much any Abdullah, the butcher picture you saw he was like waiting at the hamburger meat, forehead and everything. Um, and uh, but it you know, it, it meant something. I think when you're going around bleeding in every mess that you do, it loses its meaning. And and it ends up becoming more of a crutch. Um, so that's that's pretty much all I have to say on that.
0: Well, we will put we will put a pin in it there for today because I, I continually like thought I could find a stopping point and then you break something up. I was like, well, I want to go. Ch- I want to pull this thread a little bit further. And now we've gone almost. a,
1: bit a little bit more if you want. I mean, it's you up know, to you. But you know, <laughs> you know
0: I gotta, I got I gotta go back to, to doing more wrestling news stuff here today. But uh, oh, we'll do fun. this. We'll do this again, Paul. We'll do it yeah. again. Uh, we used to connect on my birthday every year. We didn't we haven't done it in a couple of years, but I used to play my my birthday song that I would come up. I would wake up every birthday morning and go, My name is Zoom, and I live on the moon. And I came down here just to sing you this tune. Hey, Nicholas, it's <laughs> your birthday today. It was great. I'd always spend my birthday with Poland, and so maybe we can uh-huh. resurrect maybe we can resurrect that tradition here.
1: I hope you know. so. I hope so. Re- refresh my memory on when exactly your birthday is. It's my,
0: it's not till February. It's the dead of winter. I was born on Groundhog's Day. So oh wow, Puxatani Phil. I Puxatani Nick over here. That's my that's my Indian. <laughs> name. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, so, but like, it's oh. so dope having like a birthday on Groundhog's Day because one year, and I'm hoping it's when I'm like super old, right? And I've lived a life, but one day I'm gonna go to bed on my birthday. I'm gonna wake up. It's going to be my birthday again. And I'm going to be caught yeah. in this existential loop where people are like giving me presents. And I'm like, oh, what a nice globe. And I just hand it back to him without opening it. And I can like know all the presents that are being given to me and things. Just fuck with people to yeah. fill their minds. You,
1: yeah. You'll give you'll give a young uh, Michael Shannon and his fiance WrestleMania tickets.
0: Yes. Oh, yeah. my God. Yes. I run into Ned Needlemeyer, right?
1: <laughs> Ned the head.
0: Needle nose Ned.
1: Oh, watch out for that first step. It's a doozy. doozy. Oh man, <laughs> I could do this
0: literally all day. I've seen this movie entirely too many times. Uh Paul, anything you want to put over a plug before we wrap it up here today?
1: Uh no, I mean if people are you know, anything that I might put out, it would be on my social media. Um but uh no, I just hope that people um will ask questions, you know, ask yourself questions when you're watching professional wrestling. Like um, why did they do that? When did they do that? Things of these nature, you know, things, things like that, try to make sense of it if you can. And, um, and it's okay. You don't have to agree with everything, you know, um, and try not to get into Twitter battles <sighs> with people because it doesn't look good for anyone involved. Mm. So that's, that's what I'll leave the, the young people with, uh, now, but, um, yeah, I've got a few uh, a few films in the can, and uh, as those get some release dates, I'll uh, I'll promote that again. So, but can't speak too much on it now. <laughs> Fair enough.